Welcome in. It's the BCJ Podcast on BearcatJournal.com. I'm Chad Brendel, joined, as always, during the basketball season by my man, Justin Berg, the director of basketball content for BearcatJournal.com. And uh, been a bit of a weird time, as I don't ever remember a 10-day break happening uh, in the middle of a season, but that's kind of where we are at. So, uh, obviously, don't have a whole lot to talk about in terms of game action but American Athletic Conference play is starting. Uh, we saw that kickoff last night with SMU and Central Florida. Continuing tonight as Tulane with a 29-15 to lead at Temple. Uh, midway, about seven minutes left in the first half on that one as we are recording this podcast. So uh, that's an interesting one to keep an eye on early in the conference season as Cincinnati goes to Temple uh, next week. Um not looking good for AAC Coach of the Year, um, Emeritus, Fran Dumpy, uh, here with his owls right now. But, uh, Berg, welcome in, brother. How you doing? And how was your Christmas? You having good, having a, a good holiday season? Yeah. Uh, you know, for, for a Jewish guy like me who likes the NBA, Christmas is the greatest holiday of the season, of the year probably, because there's five NBA games. So, I did manage to watch all five, um, not in their entirety, but I probably got about 89% of all five combined that, that I watched. So it was a successful day for me. Uh, did not do the Chinese food and movie thing. I, I just I, I chose the NBA instead. Um, but yeah, uh, the wife is off for a couple weeks. Uh, her, her winter break, she's a teacher. So we're just hanging and doing stuff around the house and just and taking it easy. And um little break from the Bearcat action, like you said. So taking a look around the American Conference and getting familiar with all these teams that the Bearcats are about to play. And, um, you know, like you said, Temple's struggling right now. But there's some other good squads right now. And we should take a quick break here before we get into all that and just talk about SNPs. This is our BCJ sponsor, SNI.PS is the website. So just remember the PS comes after the dot. And um, it's cool. You have you used it yet, Chad? By the way, uh, I, I, I played around. Time. I played around with it a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So it's cool because you know you can you can send your tweets or your your any of your other social media posts through Snips. Like you set it up on their site, and then you can either link to some items that the person can get a coupon for and buy, and you get a cut of it. Um, but the cool thing I see is like, did you look at the? Um, like the analytics that it provides, it's, it's like it's got everything like demographics, like like gender and like race and like everything you want to know about the person, the people that are looking at your posts. Um, if you're trying to formulate some data from that and, and decide later on, like, you know, what your targets are going to be and stuff. So um, pretty innovative idea by them. And I know they're still like in the early stages of everything, but it is available. It's free to sign up. It's awesome. And um, I recommend giving it a try, SNI.PS. They're generous enough to sponsor this incredible podcast, the BCJ Podcast. So let's get back to it, Chad. What? Uh, how do you want to go through the, the league? And you know, do you want to start talking about UC, or how do you yeah, want to we'll, do it? we'll start with the Bearcats. Um, this is really weird, man. Like, 10-day break in the middle of the season, like, I've – and, and, and it's in large part because of NKU, because of scheduling with NKU. They have their, their league opener at home tonight. So that took out yesterday. Obviously, you're not going to play a game on Friday with your league opener on Sunday. So the only game they would have pl- could have been, played would have been Tuesday. And then, you know, the guys don't get Christmas. So because of the way the schedule laid out, 10 days off between Cleveland State and and Memphis and one I think that Berg is a is a good thing to get guys some rest get guys healthy two it's a problem it's a concern at the start of that Memphis game knocking off the rust don't you think oh for sure yeah I'm sure it'll take at least most of the first half if not into the second half to because Memphis plays they play tonight against LSU or tomorrow LSU tonight yeah LSU tonight I think it's on the road for them so they'll be They'll have, they'll have a chance to play a road game and then be ready to, to play another road game on Sunday. So, yeah, I mean, that's always a concern. But at least you have the well-restedness because I think that uh, some guys are playing a little bit, a few more minutes than maybe uh, a 
Coach Cronin would like, especially in the Cleveland State game, coming off that like Tuesday, Thursday little uh, deal there with the Pine Bluff and Cleveland State. But yeah, I'm sure Rust will be an issue. But I, I looking at Memphis, I mean, they don't look like they're going to be too dangerous. They've got, oh. you know. Well, anyway, we'll, I'm, I'm sure we'll get yeah. into Memphis a little bit more. But yeah. what what was my my concern for Memphis when we talked about them? early in the season or preseason is this is a Tubby Smith team. It's a bunch of nobodies, guys you've never heard of. He's going to get them to play hard. He's going to get them to buy in and they're going to be a pain in the ass. Like that's not saying they're going to be good and and they're going to give Cincinnati a game, but this is the type of team that Tubby is kind of dangerous with as he, you know, it's probably going to be his last year coaching there, but they're going to jump up and get somebody. I mean, they played Louisville, uh, very close last weekend. Um, I'm not – I think you could see it It take 25, 30 minutes for UC to pull away from this Memphis team if they pull away. It might be another, you know, thing like the Louisville game where they get a little bit of separation at the end and it ends up being a 10-point game. But coming off that long layoff and Memphis kind of in the flow of things playing tonight um, at LSU, which is a game they might be able to win. LSU stinks. So it's interesting to me because that Tubby can be dangerous with this type of team, man. Yeah, and they still have Jeremiah Martin who torched UC last year. Yeah. If you guys remember, it was at at fifth third, and he had twenty six points, eleven assists, and, and only one turnover. And he, he's he's got those jets. He he can speed it up and down. He he attacks downhill, and he gets to the foul line, and just he's just a, he's a tough cover. And you're asking. You know, Jennifer and, and Broom to try to stay in front of him. And, and if, if, you know, they do some switching, some of the big guys as well. So he can create a lot of havoc. And so, yeah, you give Tubby Smith a good point guard like that. And and he's got, I mean, really, it's just a bunch of JUCO transfers. I mean, that's really what we're looking at here. They still have uh, Jamario Rivers, who's the other holdover. Everyone else is pretty much gone from last year. And um, it's just a bunch of JUCOs that, you get, that you've never heard of. And so it looks like they've won all their home games, but um, and then they've lost anything outside of the, their own building. They've lost two neutrals and an away game. So they uh, obviously they have a chance tonight against against LSU to actually. You know what? I'm sorry, I, I misspoke on that. That's actually at home. So they have an even better chance of beating LSU. So um, coming into the UC game, they'll be it'll be their first uh, their second road game of the entire season. Yeah, and that can play in UC's favor, especially with the younger team. And you would have to think, you know, it's a Sunday at 4 o'clock. There should be a solid crowd. It's Yes, it's New Year's Eve, but you can go to the game and then be out by 6.30 and get on with your New Year's plans. Um, that, it should be a pretty hostile environment at BB&T Arena. So, um, you know, hopefully they come out of the layoff with some energy and, and with some juice because, you know, if they do – and you make a statement there, then you're kind of in a groove getting into, you know, going to Temple and then SMU at home. Um, uh, uh, I like the way the early part of the league schedule sets up for UC because it's not a grinder, but there's enough tests in there where you have to play well and get yourself in a rhythm. Exactly, yeah. Like like you said, I mean, coming off the the layoff against Memphis, so you'll, you'll you'll have to deal with that. And then... Going at Temple's never easy. It's always an ugly game, and especially if they're going to be coming off a loss tonight. I don't know. We'll see. They're coming back. And, it's it's down to seven. So okay, yeah. I mean, you know, they they got a pretty good squad. I mean, they they've got they've got a lot of talent. And, and from what it looks like, you know, overall, before we get into the teams, um, if if you if you had to project, you would say there's a there's a damn good chance you see Wichita and SMU are tournament teams, and then you take. Temple, Houston, and UCF, and probably one of those three will make it. Maybe two, it, but what will have to happen is that those teams will have to avoid anything close to a bad loss. And, and they'll, they'll probably have, have to, to beat us or Wichita. Or SMU. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, but, like, they've – all those teams have done a little bit in the non-conference, but also they've they've lost some games that might have canceled some of that work out. But SMU – has done the most. They beat USC at home big. They beat Arizona on a neutral floor. 
And, um, and then obviously, you know, the Bearcats won at UCLA and then, and Wichita has a couple good road wins, Baylor and Oklahoma state and did some work in Maui with, even without their arguably their best player. So, so, it's, so you've got those three teams that are all like in Houston and UCF, definitely last year, we, we thought might've had a chance to move up there and they just couldn't do it. Um, and you know, Fran Dunphy has been able to get to the tournament quite a bit so you know give them a pretty good chance they've, they've had some decent wins in the non-conference they clemson neutral south carolina neutral i think auburn also neutral for temple a couple bad losses but so they're all in the running so that's six teams right there there's i don't see how there's any way they get all six i would bet no. on four i would bet on four um if i had to, if i had to project today i'm still a little skeptical i still think three i, I and you'll get to the point I, I just think there's, uh, again, like last year, I think there's a clear line of separation between those top three teams. Last year it was two. This year you add Wichita State in. From watching what I've seen play so far, there's a clear line of separation between the top three teams and then those next three teams, I think. Now, again, that's not to say that one of those three teams isn't going to jump up and, and, and get somebody, but I think it's going to be tough for those those second three teams to rack up, you know, did how many how many of those top three teams do you need to beat? Do you need to get one win on that group to get in the tournament? Probably you need to get two wins in that group to get on the turn into the tournament because let, I mean if you let's say Temple goes 1 and 5 against UC SMU and Wichita State, is that a tournament resume? Well, it depends on what else they do because there's all these like mid tier like UConn on Ken Palm is one sixteen, and so even though they're UConn, you got to sweep them or at least you know beat them once, depending on how many times they're on your schedule. Tulsa one oh eight, and that's another team. I mean, you just can't. Obviously, you can't lose to ECU and USF, which is probably impossible anyway. But like those little mid tier Tulane even is a, is a scary team if you catch them at the wrong time on the road. So that's what's going to be the, that's probably what's going to be the tough thing for for those but, three teams. But Bird, let's let's say straight up. Yeah. Let's say they perform how they're supposed to against everybody below them. Those three teams are going to beat each other up a little bit in the middle. Right. Um, you would think if you say Temple, you know, goes two and two against UCF and and I don't know who they play twice, who they play once, whatever. I haven't looked at that. Let's say Temple goes two and two against UCF and Houston, and then one and five against the the top of the league. Now they're sitting at 11. They got four losses coming in. Yeah, 11. That puts them at 11 losses. They're at 20 and 11. Does that Temple team get in at 20 and 11? Depends on. So it depends on what the win is. Like if they went at Cincinnati, then, you know, that could, that could carry a lot of weight or even at Wichita. If they beat them at home, it won't carry as much weight. So it just depends on what it is. But yeah, I mean, I, out of those three teams, somebody's going to have to emerge and beat the other two teams yeah. handily or, or, you know, the majority three out of four, whatever the case is, and then beat another one. But it's a long shot, but I think they all, I mean, at least they're all in the running. Yeah, no, I'm not, I'm, I'm just yeah. saying, I'm just looking at it from like a, 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 a rational standpoint of what you have to do. I, I think one of those teams to get in is probably going to have to win two of those six games at least against the top of the league, and that's going to be a tall right. task because I think there is a pretty good line of separation between UC, SMU, Wichita, and then Houston, UCF, and and uh, and um, um, Temple. So yeah, I mean, we'll see. It's so, gonna it's gonna be interesting. Yeah. Let's let's get let's get to the the teams. Yeah, we'll so start we, we, we'll start yeah. with Wichita State. Okay. Um, you know everybody's projecting them to win the conference. I. And yes, I know they're going to be different when when McDuffie gets back. I also know it's going to take some time to get McDuffie fully in the flow of things um, because they've been performing pretty well without him. You're going to have to work him back into that rotation and get him back to playing uh, at a high level. The good news for them is they don't get Cincinnati until February and March. Um, so you know, if you're Cincinnati, you're like, hey, let's let's get them like January 10th and get them right when McDuffie's coming back, and maybe you can can get them when they're not really humming. But He played nine minutes yeah. the other night. You noticed that, right? Yeah, you saw that. Okay. Yeah. But that's what I'm saying. You're getting them when they're getting him back and working him back in 
instead of when he's playing 32 minutes a night and scoring, you know, 15 points a game, which that's generally been his his success level. So um, overall, though, man, I mean, they've been they've got some nice wins, but they've got a couple things on their resume that you kind of scratch your head. You know, games that were closer than they should have been, that they ended up winning. Um, you know, they, they fell apart in that Maui championship game. Um, they're, they're definitely good and, and not making a slight of them at all. They're definitely, I would say at this point, considered the favorite because they've gotten the job done more than Cincinnati did. And they're, you know, two big games. Um, but I don't, they don't look invincible to me by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. I, I don't know if anyone's even in the country is invincible, but yeah, they, they just, they, they come at you in waves and their guards are really tough to handle, especially, I mean, you know, Fran camp guys, solid hits shots. He passes, he's under control and everybody talks about Landry Shamit. Larry. They're, they're, yeah. Larry, that's your buddy. Um, I mean, th- you know, these guys are high level. I mean, you look at like a, a guy like Shamit is 23rd in the entire country in Ken Palm offensive rating. He's shooting I mean, like fifty two percent from three. His, yeah, he's forty yeah, exactly. And he's his two pointer, you know, he's fifty eight from two for a guard, that's incredible. He's eighty nine yeah. from the foul line. And um, you know, he's got a really good assist rate, top one fifty there. So I mean he's he's a he's six four too. So that's you, you know, you, you put up uh you know the Jennifer Broom combination against Shamit. I mean, I don't know, it's hard to argue with Shamit. And then and then, you know, Frank Camp also, he's he's 138th in the country in his offensive range. So I mean, these guys are these guys are high level players. They don't turn the ball over. They can pass. They you know th- that's that's a good backcourt to have. And I, you know McDuffie is a wing at six eight, but he can block shots. I mean, he's like a six eight Evans, Jacob Evans kind of. I mean, he does a lot of a lot of everything. And then they just got a bunch of dudes. I mean, that, like Shaq Morris is a monster. They got this guy Rashard Kelly who kills it on the offensive glass. He's second in the country. In offense rebound percentage. I mean, they got, they just have a lot of, a lot of bodies they throw at you, a lot of athleticism, and then they have their, their motto, which is play angry. So they're always attacking, they're always coming at you, and, and so yeah, they're scary. I mean, but it, I, I just want to see them, like you said, play against somebody in a tough environment. Let's see, what's their? I mean, they start with UConn on the road. I mean, UConn just can't score. Well, and, um, and now they lost Altery Gilbert for the year. Yeah, I mean, they until they go to Houston on Saturday, Saturday, January twentieth, they don't really have anything that's looking too scary on their schedule. I mean, they have, you know, then after that, you know, they come home with UCF. Um, I mean, you know, Temple on the road, I mean, that's always going to be interesting. But um, they, yeah, you said like they don't they play at Cincinnati on February eighteenth. So I mean, they could skate through and be have like maybe one loss by the time they get there. I mean, if if they don't. I mean, they don't really have a lot of tough games on their schedule. When's, um, when's they, their SMU games? Okay, so they play SMU at home on – actually, it's, okay, so here's your here's your little test here. January 17th, 20th, and 25th, they go SMU at home, Houston on the road, and then UCF at home. And I, I imagine that Taylor will be back for UCF by then. He's supposed to so, be back January 3rd. Okay, so, so yeah, so we'll find out a lot about Wichita State in that, that you know – third week of January, fourth week of January there, they'll have that little three game stretch. And, um, if they, if they get through it with no problem, then, you know, they're going to be tough to, to knock out to, to win the league. But if, um, you know, if they lose at Houston or if SMU can hold them in check, I mean, SMU's defense looks a lot like last year, but we'll get into them. So yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah Wichita state's going to be, I mean, you know, they're, they're damn good. They're, they're deep. They got plenty of good players. Yeah, um, their defense hasn't been, at times, what you think of Wichita State defense, which is the one, I think that's the one area where they're not maybe as um, as rock solid as everybody thought that they were going to be. Uh, what, South Dakota State put up a boatload of points on them, and they had, Wichita State had to have like a 54, 56-point second half to get that win. Um so I, I've seen some some kinks in their armor defensively, um, but that changes. You know, when McDuffie gets back, that changes as well because it's six eighties versatile. Uh, you can switch screens with them. He gives them a little bit of a 
a different element defensively that could get them at a higher level than what they have been. Um, so, you know, that I definitely like Wichita State. I definitely think preseason I picked Cincinnati with what I've seen so far. I, I, it was a very thin margin that I picked Cincinnati. I think I would switch that thin margin to Wichita State right now. And let's see how the Bearcats perform, you know, coming out of the holidays. Um, SMU. Uh, I I don't want to say that I'm surprised they're playing as well as they are, but I thought there would be a little bit more adjustment time to losing the guys that they lost. And they seem to have handled that pretty seamlessly. Yeah, they and I think there's a, there's a couple of guys on the team that that we didn't really know about. I mean, th- this guy Ethan Shagwa. Did you know about him at all? No, not at all. Okay, so this dude. I mean, your buddy. I think I think it was your buddy uh, uh, Frischilla who said that he thought he was. Or no, I think it might have been Mark Adams. Somebody I heard on one of the telecasts said he thought he was one of the best five freshmen in the country. Like he's just easy. He's, I know. I know. Easy now. Yeah, he, he's like, he's just some dude. He's a 6'9 guy. He can make threes, pass, block shots. Um, he can defend a lot of different stuff. So, you know, th- that guy, you plug that guy in for a Ben Moore you know, or slash Shemi Ojale. Um, and then, you know, this the emergence now of Jamal McMurray. If, if, if you remember, he played for South Florida and was averaging about 20 points a game when they were horrible. Yeah, he's good. But he he was tough. Like, the Bearcats had trouble with him. And that, that game a couple of years ago in South Florida when the Bearcats was at 54-51 or whatever it was, yeah. like, I couldn't believe he didn't take the last shot in that game. Um, but anyway, um, and then your buddy Ben Amelagu all of a sudden is, like, unstoppable. Um, he's making everything. He's uh, Ben Amelagu is third in the country in three-point percentage. Yeah, like 57, 58% or something? 62. 62, wow. And he's eighth in effective field goal percentage for a guard, man. That is insane. So Ben Amelgu was just kind of a throw-in. He had that a couple – he had a nice game against UC in the conference tournament last year, and he was kind of important in their little pull-away. But so, you know, they still have Dre Foster, and then they still have Shake Milton, um, and then they got this guy Jimmy Wood, who has the weirdest-looking jump shot I've ever seen. Arkansas uh, transfer. Yeah, 6'3 guard, athletic dude. So – like they're not deep. It's it's very similar to last year. They got guard play. It's they're not huge. They're not that deep, but they just play that defense where it's hard to get into the paint. They rebound, um, you know, slow pace, whatever. But they can put the ball in the basket on the other end. So it's it's almost it's almost like they just didn't miss a beat. No, and and like I said, I I expected them to get it going and to be fine eventually. I thought it was just going to take some time, and it has not taken any time. They kind of picked right up where they left off and just looked like kind of the same team with different pieces. So yeah. I, I've been impressed with, with what Tim Jankovic has, uh, has has got going down there. Um, it, it, just in terms of not letting that – not letting that leadership void cause problems and, and to be able to just transition it and give them, you know, they're, they've they've got a point guard now, so they've been able to move Shake Milton off the ball a little bit, which I think is is good for him because I think he's better as a scorer than he is as a point guard um, naturally. Um, but yeah, I mean they're they're going to be a tough out, especially in their little bandbox of a gym that gets incredibly loud and is is one of the hardest places in the country to win. Yeah, I mean they have. I, these aren't bad losses. They, they lost by three to Northern Iowa and to Western Kentucky by two. And that, I guess it was the same tournament when they, they ended up beating Arizona. Yeah. Um, I mean, th- those teams are top 100 teams. It's not like it's going to kill you. And then they lost on the road at TCU, who's undefeated. But they murdered Boise State at home. They beat UCF last night. They beat USC easy. So, I mean, their, their resume, at least they have wins. I mean, that, that neutral win over Arizona, I don't care how bad Arizona was playing at the time. That, that's going to add up to be a good one. And they're just balanced. I mean, you just – their offense and defense is – they're in the t- 31st in offense, 23rd in D. I mean, they're just – they're just a good basketball team. Jankovic and that staff and the carryover from, from Larry Brown, I mean, it's just – they just play good basketball and they're hard. They don't beat themselves and they make shots. So – uh, obviously, they're coming into 
BB&T, that's going to be the seventh after the Temple game. So, you know, good tests for, for UC right there because, uh, you know, especially perimeter-oriented team, the Bearcats, aren't, that's not their strong suit defensively. They're better at defending the paint than they are the perimeter, and this team's seventh in the country in three-point percentage. So definitely a scary matchup. Yeah, no question. Yeah. <laughs> I like what UC's been able to do against them at home. <clears throat> not so much what they've been able to do against them in Moody Coliseum. Yeah, well, last year they UC made a lot of threes in the first half, or else they would have lost that game at at, uh, at fifth third because they ended up only winning by two. But another thing about about SMU is that they're really good at offensive rebounding. So you know, I'm sure it'll, the, the the battle of boards will definitely be a, a factor in that game. Yeah, and and again, a team that's small like they are, like they were last year, and they dominate the offensive glass, which goes to show it's not about the size it's about the effort on the offensive glass and uh they definitely put a lot of effort into that side of things Uh, i I would say you know after those two and uc i would say next right now is probably houston um they they've got the resume non-conference that's going to give them a shot to get in uh the win over arkansas is is a really good one Uh, murdered them yeah they murdered arkansas and uh that's it, it you know, we expected them to be kind of in this position, but we've expected them to be in this position the last two years and they weren't able to come through. Now they've got a little bit of momentum and a little bit of confidence. So uh, it's going to be interesting watching this team. And then obviously they go as Rob Gray goes. Um, he's he's their kind of heart and soul. Yeah, I mean, Rob Gray's still there. And, you know, he's he's been getting more efficient as the years go by. He's not forcing as many shots. Um, they don't have a lot of help for him, but he, he still plays within the within the game and and what they're trying to do. He's um, shooting about forty two percent from three, makes his free throws. Um, you know, he, he's actually doing pretty good distributing the ball too as well this year. So he's he's a little bit more of a leader. Uh, Galen Robinson, same point guard, he's still there. Um, West Van Beck, that left handed whitey, and then. Um, Devin Davis, who did didn't you really just call him Whitey? <laughs> <laughs> you didn't think I was going to let that slide, did you? Yeah, I mean, well, you know, White uh, West Van Beck, a left-handed Whitey. That may be the best <laughs> line you've ever said on this podcast. <laughs> West Van Beck, a left-handed Whitey. That's Berg's official scouting report. <laughs> yeah, okay, well, keep going. He can make threes. He's, you know, he's a good player. But so they're not deep either. But um, they're playing. They're playing solid defense, and and they don't have much size either. But um, they just, you know, uh, they they've got a decent team and they've got some good wins. Not only did they beat Arkansas's, but they, they beat Providence on a neutral floor. Providence isn't that good this year, but it's a high major, and. Uh, you know, they, so they beat Wake Forest, who's not that good either, high major. So Kelvin Sampson's, you know, he's, he's, he's at least putting himself in position this year to make the tournament. Um, and, they, again, they just have to avoid bad losses and, and jump up and beat somebody, and they put themselves in position. The thing with, I mean, they've got that, that opportunity now where – they've got those wins in their non-conference pocket that's going to allow them a chance to get into the tournament. Now what they have to do is make sure they don't drop a game to Tulane or or have a bad night on the road at Memphis and have Memphis jump up and get them. They've got to play like the fourth-best team in the conference, third-best team in the conference, if they want a shot to get into the tournament. And the consistency for them is what hasn't been there. So – you want to see that if, if Houston's going to give it a run at this thing and get in the dance. Yeah. And they, you know, chicken Knowles is gone and he was definitely a, a consistency issue for them. There were games where he was solid and he was unstoppable even at times and they would win. And then there was games where he would disappear and they just didn't have enough points. So he's not even in the mix anymore. So that should help them on, on that side of it. But um, yeah, just, don't blow any games and beat who you're supposed to beat, and then they'll get their shots. I mean, they, they, they play UC twice. Looks like they play Wichita twice in January. So, yeah, I mean, they, they have a chance to get a scalp right off the bat. Yeah. So it's going to be big for them to come out strong early and kind of build momentum 
uh, if they're going to get a tournament bid. Central Florida, we just don't know until we see what B.J. Taylor looks like. Um, if you watch the SMU, that game was dreadful to watch. I'm sorry, it was an old UC eight years ago, just complete rock fight. Nobody could make shots. The defense for both teams was good, so you give both teams credit on in that regard. But there was a lot of sloppiness in that game, and and they just don't look the same without B.J. Taylor. Um, I He was my preseason pick for player of the year in the American Conference. Hopefully once they get him back, they can get a little bit more going offensively because they're a fine defensive team, they're, especially because of Taco, who had a dunk last night where he didn't jump. I don't know if you saw that <laughs> one or not. No, I didn't see that he, one. He caught it on a seal down low. They got it to him, and he just kind of turned and literally went up on his tiptoes and jammed it with one hand. And it was like, oh, well, if you're seven foot five, you should be able to do that. Um, but yeah, offensively, man, they they're gonna struggle unless Taylor really, really gives them a spark. Dude, they gotta find a way to make some shots, man. I mean, yeah. they just they they're two hundred fortieth in offense. I mean, that is just. I mean, they, I I understand Taylor's not there, but and and another and really, you know, Dawkins' son Aubrey Dawkins, he he was out before the season even started with yeah. an ACL. So it, they, this team's just. Been, for whatever reason, UCF's been snake bit, and towards the end of that SMU game, when they were still kind of in the game, a couple things didn't go their way, and it was just like, man, they, they just can't catch a break. But but if Taylor comes back, they've got favorable until they get to, to UC. I mean, they've got East Carolina and Memphis and then Temple at home and then UConn. So I mean, they, could, they could conceivably start 4-0 heading into a game at home against Cincinnati on January the 16th. So... I think they. I don't think they, there's any doubt that they have to be able to do that because the Temple game's at home, and um, so if that, they'd be 13 and four, and they would have their shot, and then Wichita State a couple games later. So they got to do something, and they got to prove that they're much better than the 240th best offense in the country. Man, they're 323 in three point percentage. They're brick. They're free throws. Um, they're turning the ball over a lot, which obviously, of course, without their point guard, that's to be expected, but just bad. Like, I mean, they had, I think they had 19 turnovers last night and only seven assists or something like that. And that's not I mean, going to cut it against SMU. Not on the road, not on the road against pretty much anybody. And they were still in the game. That's what's kind of surprising. Yeah, because they, it's hard to score on them. I mean, it's just, it's hard to get into the pain. And even if you do get in there, what are you going to do? Um, SMU was getting some points in transition and then just some good ball movement and stuff like that. But, but yeah, I mean, they, they got, they just got to do some work. They got to, they got to make some things happen in January, put themselves in the conversation. And then temple, who knows, man, bad losses, good wins. It's, you don't know what you're going to get with them. They're down at halftime nine to Tulane right now at home. And they're they're just such a weird team. Yeah. They're not, they're just, I guess they're just, they struggle on D. I mean, they, they usually were pretty good. Um, their numbers aren't great on D, but yeah, I mean, they, um, well, they give up 84 to Georgia last game. So I don't know. I mean, they, especially if they lose this Tulane game, you might have to strike them out of the running. A home loss to Tulane, going to be tough to recover from that. If they already got four losses. Right. So, and like but, we already uh, talked about it, they could be at 11 just by. Yeah, you know, just by nature of the the other five games against the top teams in the conference, and it's hard to explain because unless Josh Brown just isn't, I don't know. I mean, because they didn't have him last year, and that really hurt him. He's a senior point guard, and I mean, a couple of years ago they won the league, and he was a big reason why. And they had a great freshman class last year: Quentin Rose, Shiz Alston, Alani Moore, and and they, you know, they they really showed a lot of signs last year with those three guys, and then. Um, they still have Obi and Echionia, so he's, and he's he, yeah. I, I'm not a big, I'm definitely not a fan of his. He's a chucker. He is what stinks. He, yeah, he's. <laughs> I, I'm a little more. Uh, I'm a little less diplomatic. I was just gonna you. say. I was just gonna say that maybe he's the reason why this is not that good. <laughs> he stinks. Um, and uh, now Tulane up uh, up ten. So that's going to be an, an it's interesting all Obi fault that they're losing to Tulane. <laughs> <laughs> um, moving on from them. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I just I don't think there's a whole lot to say about them. They're Jekyll and Hyde. If they show up, they can be really good, but you don't know when they're going to show up. And that's, 
that's a challenge if you're Cincinnati because if they come in and they start hitting everything they throw at the rim, they're going to be tough to beat, and you got to be ready for it and be able to, to match them shot for shot. And hopefully your defense is better than theirs and you can get some stops down the stretch. Um, we'll talk more about them next week. Yeah. Um, we might have to do Tuesday next week, by the way. Fine. Just a heads up. I'm headed out to the country Wednesday, moving. Oh, okay. I'm moving out to Independence. Actually, lovely Independence, Kentucky next week. Is Tuesday the second? Yeah. Yeah, that won't work for me. Why not? Uh, what, what, what do you got going wi- on? The wife and I are going to go take a little trip for a couple of days. Uh, they call it a baby moon. And um, just to get out of town while we can, while she's on her break, we're just going to go over to Hocking Hills for a couple of nights. So, um, and be back in time for the Temple game on Thursday. So, right, we may not so be able to do that. Maybe we won't have one next week. Thanks to you, Berg. Maybe or I'll, we could just or we could just record something at the game. Yeah, I don't know. We could figure it out. Maybe I'll just have Dave fill your spot since you can't fill your responsibilities. <laughs> <laughs> Dave would love to talk some AAC. He does. He's a big he's a big AAC guy. That Dave. Yeah. Um, so sh- who do you want? I mean, I I guess do we go? It's either Tulsa or Tulane, I guess, right? Yeah, because it's not UConn. <laughs> it's not UConn. It's not ECU. It's not South Florida. We know that. Let's talk um, about Tulane. I don't care about Tulsa. They're, they're so worth They're the most no nondescript reason. team in the country. And they have the worst uniforms I've ever seen, too. I mean, like, it must cost like four bucks per uniform. <laughs> Somebody, <laughs> some guy designed them with uh, MS Paint in his basement. Yeah, exactly. Like, what are they doing with that? So let, let's not even spend any time on them. I, 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 I vote that we don't even mention Tulsa. You ju- um, if we don't mention Tulsa, you're going to jinx UC into a Tulsa loss. Mm. Respect the opponents, Berg. All right, fine. I, we'll I just say that I don't we'll know anything about them. I don't know anything uh, about them. Yeah. <laughs> they lost. They've lost to a ton of teams, and they somehow beat Kansas State. So that's uh, other than that, there's nothing really else to talk about with them. They still have Junior E too. I think he just turned 36 on Tuesday. See, and that's not even a joke. He might have just turned 36 <laughs> on Tuesday. Like that is a legitimate statement. Yeah. He's got four children and a wife back home in Africa, <laughs> completing his junior season at, at Tulsa. Um, Tulane is interesting, man. Melvin, yeah. They've got a guy. Melvin Frazier might be first team all AAC when it's all said and done. So they got a guy that can play. Dunleavy can coach offense. Um, if they can get some stops, they can be a pain in the ass. Don't forget about Cameron Reynolds, too, man. He's he's a tough lefty. I mean, he's six eight. I mean, so yeah, he he and Melvin Frazier both like on that like kind of three four position y type of guy. They're both hard. They're both athletic. They can both score. And I like. I, I mean, I, I, there was a couple guys on their team last year that I I really like that Ray Onambo dude. I mean, he, he he was really raw last year, but he's a six five point guard from France. Like, dude, and he's shooting. 45% from three this year all of a sudden. So I think he's uh, he's going to be tough to handle. Um, and that's a pretty good three right there to start with. And did you have you looked at their the deal? I mean, I know they blew the Georgia State game. but Yeah. That's I mean, a, they're not going to get yeah. in the tournament. They're just going to yeah. be a pain. Yeah. Uh, ask, ask Temple. Ask Fran Dunphy. Yeah. Temple's finding that out right now. I mean, we saw last year they were still getting the system set in. They they were still getting, you know, everything going with with Dunleavy coming in as coach. But there were times last year you could see that that was a team that was trending in the right direction, at least. Um, and now, you know, you're starting to see it play out a little bit more as they go into Dunleavy's second season. And they can play offensively. Yeah, they compete. And they they actually play kind of fast. So, you know, when, when the Bearcats go up against them, should be some decent tempo there top 100 in adjusted tempo. So, you know, they're trying to get up and down, play a little NBA deal. And Rayona Embo, man, I'm telling you, that guy's going to be good. He already is getting pretty good by his sophomore year. And he's got weapons to deal with, with, with Frazier and Reynolds. And I don't know, who's this Samir Sihich guy? 6'9". I don't know much about him. I know the name, okay. but I don't know a whole lot about him. He was at Vanderbilt, and he yeah. didn't really do much. But he's got decent numbers. He's a good offensive rebounder. What is he? top 50 in the country and so block some shots it looks like and 
you know, he's a good finisher, good free throw shooter, 40 out of 49. So, I mean, they got some, they got some players now that for Dunleavy to work with. So, I mean, they definitely could surprise. I mean, if they you know, go ahead and beat Temple on the road to start the year, people are going to take notice. Temple just cut it to five on a corner three from Quentin Rose. Uh, as, we, as we do live play-by-play of a game that will already be over by the time you <laughs> listen to this podcast. That's the charm of the BCJ podcast. Yeah, we, we, talk, we did it with that Florida, that Florida game the yeah, last time. Yeah, we talk about games that are going on and will be over when you're listening to this. <laughs> Just so you know, like, what state of mind we're in while we're recording. Yeah. We're both, well, you're not paying, yeah. you're not watching, but I'm watching. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at Samir Sahich or whatever his name, Sehick or whatever. Uh yeah, I mean this team looks tough. Yeah, they're 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 a pest, is what I yeah. would say. I'd say that's the best way to describe them. They're kind of a pest. Yeah. Um, and then, I mean, we decided we're not talking about Tulsa uh, other than their junior E two, and they're just kind of nondescript. They're just kind of there. Like I, there's really other than other than junior because literally, bro, I think I watched him play AAU eight years ago. Seven, eight years ago. I'm not kidding. Yeah. I saw him with DC Assault before they had to switch because the guy that ran it got indicted on drug trafficking. Cocaine. Well, this, this says he was born in 94, so he's only no, 23. No, no, no. No, no. You never heard that that whole ordeal with that? I know, but I'm just saying that's what he's listed at. Yeah, but he was listed in Eurobasket as born in like 91 or 90. Mm-hmm. And then he showed up in America, and all of a sudden his birthday had changed like three years. Because he was looking at like U18, U19 openings in Eurobasket before he got to the United States. And then he got to the United States, and all of a sudden he was 15 again. Yeah, like there was well, a whole controversy about that. There were some teams that backed off because they didn't think they were going to be able to get him, get him in because of that controversy. They just couldn't prove that the, the birth certificate – wasn't valid or whatever so he's here he's at least 26 27 at least minimum minimum 27 minimum he's a good player he's a good he is, player he, he gets a good the foul player. line yeah he's he a good the player. foul line he's good he's shooting well from three uh oh another note for tulsa actually though is is um kyle washington is in luck because tk adogi has graduated <laughs> who threw down a right-hander that like almost broke the screen um, with the, with the sound of it in Tulsa last year. So at least Kyle doesn't have to worry about getting punched on by TK Adogi this year. And that's Berg talking Tulsa. <laughs> uh, All right. So I don't yeah. have much on USF or ECU either. Like uh, they stink. Yeah. Let's talk about your buddy, Kevin Ollie. Why not? Yeah, he stinks. <laughs> they stink. He stinks. Um, so, they they go ahead and beat Oregon and you're like hmm maybe they have something here and then no, no they don't. They're they what, don't one and one and five against high major opponents. With Oregon being the one win. Um, yeah. They dude they're like three hundred and fortieth in the country in assist rate. Yeah. They they don't pass they don't move. I, I, our guy uh, Bobby Regan from Barstool Sports did a did an article on them today on Barstool that the, the, the numbers of how inefficient and ineffective their offense is are just staggering. And they covered that up some in, in early in Ollie's tenure by playing great defense. Now they're not even that good defensively. So if, if he's not coaching them to be a really good defensive team, and he clearly can't coach – you want to, like, everybody talks – Mick can't coach offense, blah, blah, blah. You want to talk about can't coach offense, what it looks like? Watch UConn this year. That's can't coach offense. <laughs> and there's talented guys there. Terry Larrier, um, um, obviously Jalen Adams, but um, who's the one I'm missing? Well, they don't – The other wing. I mean, the other Christian, uh, Christian Vital. Vital. Yeah, Vital. He's okay. Um, Alter Gilbert, you said he got hurt again? Yeah, he's got to have shoulder surgery. They announced today he's done for the year. Mm, that doesn't help. No. But he's okay. Like, he's not – Alter yeah. Gilbert's okay, but he's not, like, a, a huge difference maker. I thought he was a five-star or four-star. 
Pittsburgh. I don't care what their stars are. I just watch them play. Like okay, okay. Uh, he, he's he's a talented kid, but he's not going out and winning you four extra games this year. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. Well, they don't have. I mean, they just don't have any bodies, even really. I mean, they got nah, Mamadou those, Dr. Those are all four-star guys I just named, brother. <clears throat> no, I'm saying got it, bodies. I'm saying, I'm saying without Gilbert now, like they just don't. They don't have a lot of guys that. I mean, I'm looking at their their hey, deal here. I mean, they just don't have a Bert, lot of people they put in the game. SMU doesn't have a lot of guys either, do they? True. And they adapt yeah. and they figure out a way to win games. You know, you know who doesn't do that? Guys that aren't very good coaches. Yeah. He's not a good coach. Why does he have so much trouble coaching offense? It's hard to hard to imagine that a point guard well, but, wouldn't know yeah. the value of passing and assists and stuff like Just that. Just watch them. It's so basic. It's like there's Richard Skinner's ninth grade Beachwood Tigers run offense equivalent to what UConn does. Ball screen, down screen, cross screen, and that's it. Like that, that's the extent of, they run like three actions and their entire offense and that's it. And then they kick the ball out up top and it's make a play with eight seconds left on the shot clock one-on-one. So it's just Jalen Adams and that's it. Yeah. Well, I mean, Larry and Larry, Larry's got some game too. Yeah. Those two guys have some game, but they're not, they're not efficient because they're not put in a position to be efficient. He's terrible. Like, if you're UConn, you got to move on, don't you? Like, I, it, it, it begs the question, how much time does the national title buy you? Because this is four years of them being inept since Shabazz Napier carried them to a title. Yeah. I mean, they, right now they're 116th on Kent Palm. They just – I mean, they weren't even really that comp- competitive in some of these games. I mean, I know the Auburn game most recently, they just got destroyed. They got destroyed. 89-64. They and it Syracuse wasn't that close. One. Yeah. Arkansas demolished them. Michigan State. Well, Michigan State's, I mean, Final Four more than yeah. likely. But, yeah, I mean, so, like I said, I mean, they. I watched some of the game against Oregon, and I was like, hmm. But then you look at Oregon ever since, and you're like, yeah, they're not good. I mean, Oregon's, Oregon's I mean, they, they lost to Boise State at home. I mean, they really haven't played anybody tough since. But, yeah, so that's not even they, – they beat DePaul in overtime. I mean – it's not that great of a win is what I'm getting at. Look, it goes like it's, this. Bird. Yeah. Does the conference need them to be good? Probably. Do I want them to be bad forever? Yes, I do. <laughs> so that's kind of where we're at. Um, yeah. I mean, SMU or uh, USF, th- that thing's never going to get fixed, is it? Brian Gregory? Wow. He's out of options. So he took that job. Yeah. Well, who wants it? I mean... Orlando Antigua was the hottest name in the country coming into there from the assistant coaching ranks, and and he couldn't get it done. You know, Brian Gregory, I'm sure will get them stabilized, but they're not going to win. He might get them to you know six conference wins, seven conference wins at some point in time, but they're not competing for NCAA tournaments or or nah. making you know making noise. That that's not happening. And then ECU, it's interesting to me, Berg. There's a decent amount of talent at ECU, and they can't win. And yeah. you know, maybe some of it is is Lebo with his health issues, and then he stepped down. Um, we'll see who they get to. If I'm them, like I go after one of the AAU guys hard, and maybe not make him the head coach, but make him the associate head coach. Uh, you know, like Team Loaded, North Carolina, uh, somebody with, with heavy connections there or somebody deeply connected, you know, with like CP3 or, or one of those programs. And you're not going to get doing that is not going to get you the top level talent from those programs, but it'll get you enough kids that can play at the AAC level where you can maybe get out of the basement. Hmm. Yeah, that, that's a tough one, especially in that in that area where you think some, you get some guys that slip through the cracks. And I mean, they've got a couple good. What happened to those two guards they had last year? I don't see them on the list at all. Uh, probably transferred, I guess. Hmm. Okay. I mean, they had a little bit of. Like, they gave Bearcats a lot of trouble down there. I mean, you still uh. got Kentrell Barkley, who's solid. 
but he's a guy that Tyson. You, yeah, yeah. He, he's a guy that you see passed on, um, because they just didn't think you know he had enough to his game. So yeah, I mean, those two, I just don't know that you're ever going to see them pull themselves out of the depths, uh, other than maybe getting to you know a, a a really good year where they get to sixth or seventh place in the conference. Yeah, but I mean, you look at Tulane making a little push with, with I mean, I guess it depends on who you get to be your coach. Well, those jobs just there's Tulane's like in New Orleans. I mean, that's yeah, that's somewhat desirable. But um, and there's plenty like, of talent, in Louisiana. Like LSU can't take it all. Right. They don't even take any really. They they take some, but I mean, yeah. uh, you know, if 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 they were smart, Jacob Evans would be at Tulane right now. True. But they, they screwed that up and and upset his mom and he ends up at Cincinnati. Like you, that, you've got to get the Jacob Le- Evans level guys that fell through the cracks, and and you can win there. And they again, they've got two high level guys on that team. So. Oh, uh, by the way, uh, Jim Beheim stole that uh, Elijah Hughes dude. I remember that shooting guard that was really good for them last year. Oh he was yeah, a freshman. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, he, he's uh, he went to Syracuse. He's transferring. So okay. Um, and uh, the game, the, the Temple had got it back down to five, but Tulane has pushed it back out to eight with uh, twelve fifty one left to go in the game. So that's our uh, that's our AAC conference preview. Maybe not the exact order we think that they'll finish, but pretty close. Would you would you pick UConn behind Tulsa and Tulane? Mm, not behind Tulsa. But Tulane remains to be seen. Again, I think they're gonna they're gonna get some people at their place. So right now, yeah. right now we go Wichita State, Cincinnati, SMU, and then Houston, Houston, Central Florida, Temple. Would you go in that order, or would you switch Temple and Central Florida? Probably Central Florida ahead of Temple. I think they, they, I would they play too. they play such good D, yeah, especially think... with BJ Taylor back. Like they'll get they'll. They don't need to score that many more points to start winning these games. And then Tulane, then UConn, then Tulsa, and then probably USF ahead of ECU. Or They're both terrible, and it doesn't matter. I mean, I would take the more stable Brian Gregory situation over the interim coach at ECU, and they they lost – Especially without Shepard and Hughes, who I thought they still had. That shows how much I even paid attention to him. Where'd Jeremy Carter Shepard go? They, it doesn't say. I mean, it didn't say on his profile. Hmm. But uh, those guys were like, "Whoa, these guys, this team could be good in the future." Is you know, with Kentrell Barkley and these two, but I guess they just didn't feel like staying there. Which I don't blame them. That's life at a terrible program, Berg. That is life yeah. at a terrible program. So. We got a couple of minutes left here. I wanted to ask you um, just about UC in general, from you know, you know ten and two in the non-conference. I mean, seed-wise, eleven and two. I'm sorry. Um, I think this is something that gets discussed a lot, and let's not get too deep into it. But with what they did in the non-conference, they're with basically just having the win over UCLA on the road, and that's probably going to be it for any tournament teams that they beat um where seed wise at this point where would you say that their ceiling would be even if they let's say win the league i think they could get to a four maybe a three depending on what the resume looks like okay i think five or six is probably more likely yeah but you know if they go 16 and two with a win over Wichita, with a win over SMU, you know, your only losses are at Wichita, at SMU, let's say, hypothetically. You go 16-2 and two and you win the league. I would say a four would be yeah. about right. Yeah, I don't Yeah, I don't see them getting anything higher than that. And that's, like you said, even if th- that's going to be determined whether they really have a strong showing. And, and, and also, you know, some of the eye test stuff, too, this year would help them. But it, unfortunately it's just like you said, that five and six is, I mean, that's probably where they're going to end up if I'd have to bet on it, because I think there's going to be some tougher road games this year than last year. They're, they're not going to just go through the league with only a couple three losses. If, if I'd have to bet, but 
maybe they'll prove me wrong and, and, you know, they'll be able to execute and, and things like that. But it's a shame because, um, you know, if, if they could have had a couple tougher games on there, that RPI up a little higher, that type of thing, maybe a couple more, you know, legit teams that they played, then they would have that shot. They'd be in a better position. But unfortunately, they just don't have enough there to really warrant anything higher than a four best case scenario and probably a five or six. So um, even even if that's the case, I mean, you're still going to have to beat somebody to make the run. But it's it's, it's you know, it's not not the most ideal situation, especially heading into the season that maybe we had anticipated. Yeah, I mean, but still, if you're playing well and you've got the talent, you can you can win a lot of games from a five, six seed spot. True. And, you know, a six is going to play a three in the second round. A five is going to play a four. We've seen plenty of those upsets to get to the second weekend. So not ideal, but here's the thing. If you're a three, guess what? You got to play a six. If you're a four, you got to play a five. You got to win those games either way. Right. So as long as they don't dip below six, because once you get into seven, eight, nine, ten, then you're talking a one or a two in the second round, and it, and it's going to be really tough. With as bunched up as everything is this year, just get somewhere between a three and a six seed, and you put yourself in position. It's going to depend on the draw either way that you go. If you're a three, you could easily get a six that you don't match up well with. If you're a six, you could easily get a three that you do match up well with. So I, I don't, I don't get as. Um, aggravated by it as, as some others do the, the the thing that might be a little bit frustrating this year is because of the the teams in the region this is a year where if you're a three or a four you could sneak into a pretty good location um, as a protected seed because where you generally run into problems with that is you've got Kentucky Louisville Indiana Ohio State Xavier Cincinnati you know Michigan Michigan State um You've got seven or eight teams that are all in that protected seed area where let's say four of them get there. And by the time it gets to you, you end up out west because all the protected spots are gone ahead of you. Right. So you're missing if you don't get up to that three or four line, you're missing an opportunity there to to guarantee yourself. I don't want to say guarantee, but give yourself a much better chance of playing closer to home. Um, so that could be, you know, one area where it's a big miss, but even that, I mean, worrying about it doesn't do you any good because you no. don't know until the bracket comes out. No, I, I, I just, it was just, just, I'm sure that topic will come up, but I think really at the end of the day, the, my, my thinking is this, all I'm looking for is offensive execution in the half court. I, I just, I, I want to see them be better at that as the season goes on. Because at the end of the day, when you get into the tournament, you get into the conference tournament, you play these tough teams on the road, whatever the case is, in the last five minutes of a game, it, it generally comes down to that. It doesn't matter how fast you play in other games. It's when you need to get a bucket, are you able to do it multiple times? And that's what we need to see because that's how you're going to march on. And that's You look at a lot of the teams that make runs, that's what they're able to do. Yep. Wisconsin, teams like that, Xavier, of course. A lot of teams at Villanova, I mean, this, they, they find ways to get buckets. So just still putting the pieces together now. Obviously, there's certain guys that need to you know, be more efficient, and, and they're just finding their way into their roles and stuff like that. We don't need to talk a ton about it, but we'll see. I mean, they, these next few games coming up, like the, the Temple game on the road and especially the SMU game at home, they're going to need to execute to be able to get the separation. Absolutely. So that's what we need to see. Yep. You need to see it. All right. It all kicks off Sunday, 4 p.m., BB&T Arena. I will be there. Berg, are you going to be there or are you going to be on vacation? <laughs> I will be there. <laughs> all right. I'm just making sure. Are, are you going to Philly for the fourth? No, not doing <laughs> that. Not doing that. I've always, want, I've always kind of wanted to go there, but it's not that close of a drive to just be able to go do it. Right. I think you got to fly there. Um, it's about nine what, hours. Like, yeah, like what what good road games are there to go to? Nothing really by by car, unless Memphis. you count Memphis. But um, that's even like six hours, five six hours. No, it's like uh, eight. Wow. Okay, it's even longer than I thought. Okay. Well, either way, this is a weird league. 
And it would be fun to go to more road games, but it's just like you have to fly and get hotels and all that business. And, you know, maybe one day BCJ will be on that on that level. It'll be easy. But at this point, you know, we just got to go to the ones we want to, like UCLA or, you know, you got a chance to go to the Florida game. But, I mean, it'd be fun to go to Wichita and stuff like that, but let's, not let's, if I have to drive 12 hours. Let's drive to Wichita, Berg. We'll do a BCJ road trip. We'll do live periscopes from the car. It'll be a blast. Yeah. No. Um, no, all right, that. that's going to wrap it up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's Justin Berg. I'm Chad Brendel. We'll see you next time, maybe next week, maybe two weeks from now, whenever Berg's schedule allows. Uh, <laughs> we'll be back with another show. So uh, thanks for tuning in. Uh, join BearcatJournal.com for all you people out there that aren't members so that you can send me and Berg to away games. Thank you. We'll see you next <laughs> time. I'm Chad Brendel. He's Justin Berg. It's the BCJ Podcast on BearcatJournal.com. <laughs>